here hello welcome to the podcast i sincerely apologize for the last podcast which involved somebody that i thought it would be a good idea to do a podcast with anyway sabrina's better yay yay (laughs) super happy fun time so this is i'm not really sure what episode this is or what our theme is but sabrina had the beautiful idea of just letting it run its course We were actually in the middle of conversation and decided that we should record our thoughts. So, you were talking about hair, but maybe we shouldn't (laughs) start with this. That was just kind of a tangent more than anything. (laughs) We can do a podcast on hair if you want. We could. I mean, we could. We could talk about it. We were talking about, well, there's always the the down south grooming. Yeah, we could talk about the Preferences on that. We could. What's your preference? On the down south? Yes. Oh, I've been thinking about this all day. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you I have. have. <laughs> I have been thinking about this all day. Lindsay, thinking about vaginas all day? No way. Cuddling us <laughs> is my favorite thing in the world. It really, really is. But what I like more than cuddling us, I fucking, I can't. I, I, I'm going to digress. Okay. So grooming. I'm really torn like I am about most things. (laughs) No, I am like I am about um, the monogamy and whatever. I'm equally torn about grooming. I think I prefer like a middle of the road kind of like trimming going on with like say a buzzer or something. And... We're not talking about men at all here, by the way, and I realize there's lots of genders in between there, but we would be talking about women-identified, women-born women, I guess, although it's steered from that, but let's just leave it. It'll be more simple if we put it that way. Men, I, the men that I've been with, I can't even think about that, like, can't even think about their nether visions, or I'll just get really sick, which is not a nice thing to say. But it's totally true. Don't worry, guys. I love you. <laughs> so, uh, so the nether, the nether regions. Yes. Um. There's something really hot about. So I think that that's my. I'm kind of a moderate mine under in that way. I didn't used to. It used to be really out of control. 70s porno buzz. Yeah. It was like. I mean, I actually had someone during sex with me be like. Whoa, girl, you really are granola. I'm about to get a hairball here. Yeah, she said that. She was like, whoa, you are granola. And I was like, whoa, that, whoa, that. So, yeah, I, it didn't used to be, but but I, I kind of grew into it. But the whole thing about hair, this is really, this is really interesting, actually, what I'm about to talk about, because it's not just like the nether regions. Like, when I was in, when I was in college, long, long time ago, the girlfriend that I was with at the time, I felt the opposite pressure that most women feel about shaving. So most women, or straight women anyway, and I think most women feel pressure to shave, right? And pressure to remove body hair and pressure to impress their lover like that. I had the opposite thing going on. Like I shaved my legs normally 
And like when I was with this person, it's not like she was like, do it. It wasn't like she was like, don't shave anymore. But she was really granola and natural and she was turned on by my body. So like I stopped my like practice, how I performed my body to please my lover. And this is a really interesting conversation because it's your body and you do kind of alter it depending on your lover. And anyway, I digress. Yes, that's how I think I prefer it. But today, I don't know. I go back and forth. I never am like, ooh, porn bush, though. Never. <laughs> no, that's never attractive to me. It needs to be somewhat under control. Like, it doesn't need to be, like, you know. But I really have conflicted feelings about, like, completely shaven because I feel like it looks like a child and it really freaks me out. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. And that's why I don't shave that much off on myself. <laughs> like, cause I do a partial shave. I shave the lips, I guess. Um, and then I keep the, the upper part trimmed, but there. <laughs> and I do that because every, every single time I've ever shaved all of it, I'm like, I look like eight. I am like 12 years old again. What? It's really uncomfortable. Yes, it is. And my, my hair and my skin don't get along. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what part of my body. It's, what I'm, does that mean? I get ingrown hair. Yeah, um, me my, too. My head, yeah. my face, my <laughs> underarms. Um, and actually, my doctor said it was a medical condition. Medical condition. But anyway, um, <laughs> not getting into my medical history here. Um, so shaving everything just is pure, almost torture. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been waxed, though? Come on. I, okay, this is really interesting. When I went, I haven't been, like, waxed down there. I think I would, I think I would like it. You, you being the little masochist, you are probably would. I probably. It was so hilarious because I went to this. I, I was about to fly down to California to to visit my long distance boyfriend, and uh, and I was like, okay, I want to make sure I don't have to worry about this during the entire week that I'm down there. And so I went to this little hairdresser who did waxing as well, and bless her soul, she <laughs> she was just. I was like, I tried to tell her to leave a little, like a landing strip or something, but she, she couldn't do it. And like, at one point I was up on my, on all fours on this table. Oh my God. My complete stranger it's like holy crap she Ooh. has seen parts of me I don't know I don't even think I've I, seen before I, I don't know that I would be into that I'm a little well you can tell them what areas to I'm be. a little self-conscious about my like butt area well sure. you don't have to have them do that you can have them just stick no to but I would that. want that like it was like no if I was gonna do it I would want that taken care of because I really I don't I don't know so nether regions, yes. So I have conflict, yeah. But like, as somebody that's in pussy, it's also like really important to keep it maintained. So like, now I'm at a state. I'm in a good state right now. But it's like it's always an awkward conversation to have with your partner. Hey, <laughs> could you? Could you? Either either way, it's awkward, right? So hey. Could you, 
I don't know, say grow your pussy out for a couple of weeks and let's see what happens. Because then what happens is they grow it out, but then they keep growing it out. Because there's not really a middle ground. If there's somebody that normally shaves all the time, then there's not really a middle ground. So you either get, you either get it there or you get it gone and there's unless you like provide the buzzer idea which is well there's scissors too yeah it's a little trickier but scissors do work especially if you have the little like sewing yeah would it be totally inappropriate to be like so can i take care of this no i would actually prefer your partner to do it because yeah. <laughs> you know how much acrobatics and like, okay, I know I'm flexible, but how about I think you would just, rather them do that? But they would about, do a much better but job. What about like, what about you like the, But I think doing that for my like, partner because it's area. just it's, it's a care thing, and yeah. yeah, I'm a very giving person, and I love to do things for my partners, cook. I don't clean, but <laughs> but apparently yes. Okay, how does Shaving this work? So how does this work with men? Do the majority of because I feel like men just don't do. I I don't know. This is my impression of men is that they just don't. And recognizing there's many genders. Okay, but like my impression of men is that they just don't. They just don't. I've seen a lot of cocks. So, but do they maintain that shit? So with with. Pussy, your face is right Mm -hmm. there. There's no space between the hair and your face. So it is a bit more problematic. With a blowjob, there's space. Unless, you know, it's a little short one. And when you have sex, do you see? I have this thing. I'm not like self-conscious of my body, really, but I am. Like, see that light? You all can't see this light. That's really bright. The pink ones? No, the bright light in my room. Oh, is on. yeah. Like yeah. having sex in that much light? No, it's that's kind of, way too much. That's light. too much light. Isn't yeah. It? No, I'm, I'm I'm very much a candle person. I prefer the lights to be off completely. Just kidding. <sighs> I like dim lighting. It turns me on more. It's sexier. I like candles. The flickering light, the way it romanticizes things. It's like, oh, wow. But having bright really lights sexy. on during sex is really intense. And it's not so much, but it really does make me nervous. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm getting it on with my partner, they could probably do no wrong unless, you know... They started talking about something completely random. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I don't, and I, I want to believe that people are like that in general. That in the midst of the act, sure, there are some extremes that could stop the action. But for the most part, it would have to be really bad. Really bad. Like, what would stop the action? My last partner, at one point, we were, it was a male, and 
we were getting it on. We were like fooling around and I go to reach for the condom and then he starts talking about, oh, recently I tried on this Magnum condom and it felt really comfortable. And I'm like, you know, talking about condom usage when we were about to get it on, especially when I know I wasn't the one you were trying that condom on with, isn't attractive, isn't attractive at all. Yeah. I have no problem that you have other partners. I don't want to hear it when we're about to do it. No. <laughs> Another thing that would really upset me is if I had sex with someone and we had just orgasm, like somebody had orgasmed or whatever, and they just like reached for the phone and started text messaging. That would kill them. Oh, that would that would be a. Uh, I would be you done. You need to leave my house now. Yeah. That's done. No. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's okay to say that. Too. Yeah. No, I would totally say. Well, sex is ridiculous. Like one of them. The it's not really disgusting. No, it's it's not. It's but the human body. Well, this did is Dan what it does. Savage said sex is ridiculous. I mean, it is. It's like I mean, it's bodily fluids. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. And I and I did. I well, it stained the bed and the mattress like with my yeah. It happened like that. But I mean. That's the thing I think that is really problematic that I feel like about casual sex. And I remember on OkCupid when I had it, that I remember feeling really conflicted checking the casual sex versus the short-term dating versus the whatever. I never checked long-term dating. I was like, fuck relationships. But I always, I always felt conflicted about that because I was like, the thing about it is, is like, Casual, how can that be casual? <sighs> Think about, I mean, just the the amount of vulnerability that it takes. It's not necessarily vulnerability, though. For some people. For some people, it is. And for you, I could definitely see that. But no, for, you you're right. You're correct. Pet. You're correct. For some people, it's a way to like. For some people, it's really just physical. Like, or I went a- through an entire phase of my life in my early 20s where I'd, I'd have friends with Ben. Well, I wouldn't even call them friends. They were fuck buddies is what they were. And we would do nothing but fuck. And then I would leave. And there was no conversation in between. It was just... Hey, you want to come fuck? Yep, coming. <laughs> and then we fuck, and then nothing until the next time. So it is definitely possible to have casual sex, but you have to be able to detach. I think we create the vulnerabilities in ourselves. Like, I might have to unpack that one later, though. No, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. I think I've always been envious of people that can just fucking... But I think about the last person I was with, besides the current person I'm with. When I say with, I mean sexually with, not in any way, shape, or form with with. But physically with. And I think about, like, she was an intimacy whore. Like, for lack of a better word. And I don't mean to use the word whore in a negative way, but she was a she was a kind of person that was like intimate, I, I think. And there are people like this in the world. It's not just sexually that they're like this either. They're like intimacy. They're people that will they're very charming and they like they make you think that you're special somehow, that they've let you in somehow. 
I know you know what I'm talking about, okay? And they're, they really don't have a personality when it comes down to it. They'll, they're very like, you never really know what's going on because they're so good at convincing you that they feel a certain way about you or things. They're so good at that. Those people drive me crazy because I'm a person that hallucinates intimacy so much because I feel things so intimately. Those people, they are emotional vampires to me. And I think that those people tend to be, and I'm speaking almost exclusively of women, but not entirely. I've met a couple of guys just like this, and it's like they, they see that you're an individual that craves intimacy and they prey on it and they exploit it. And you don't even have to be an empath for this to occur. You just have to be a decent human being for these emotional vampires to prey on you. And I know you know what I'm talking about right now. And it's, it's just really a shitty feeling to feel used like that. And like, you're like special and then you're not. And I think that, no, I hear you. I hear you. I think that they're the players are out there or whatever. And this can my point is it extends sexually. I think usually these intimacy people that these emotional vampires, they're really good at intimacy like across the board. So that would extend to sexually as well and making you feel like you're special sexually and maybe even saying things to you sexually and and, and, like, maybe they're in the moment and they say things to you, whatever. But it's not the same as, like, I don't know where I'm going with this. Just that, like, I'm really psychedelic in sex and, and always. But, like, especially with sex, like, I go to a level. Like, I go to a level. And I, I it took me a long time to realize, oh, and a lot of, like, two-night stands to be like, oh, I'm a person, even with women who feel things intensely and whatever, it still happens. I think you're right. It still happens with women where they're like, no, this is a physical thing, and yeah, maybe I feel like more than men, but they don't feel as much as me. And I think I was, like, trying to make casual sex work because I like the idea of it. I like I like the idea of it, but now I don't like the idea of it right now. I think I'm in a space where I'm like, whoa, no. I like intimacy. I like things to be really, really intimate, really raw. And casual sex is like the antithesis of what I, 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 I don't know. It's almost like a conversation that really means something to me with someone that I love is better than casual sex. Because to me... To me, sex is never, and I don't mean making love, I don't mean any of that, but sex is never as good as when... There's really a connection. Yes. 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 Connection is so important. Hand in you, my beating heart, you can listen, you can see, you can touch. Yeah, no, there's, there's, I'm, I'm fairly difficult to, to get off and there's absolutely no chance of it if there's not a connection. Uh, do you, do you, this is an interesting topic, do you feel like that is, are you on, do you think it's like induced by a medication or anything? It's always been that way even before I was even on any medications, so okay. No. With um, a with a partner or just in general? Um, 
I can't even, I can do it myself with, like, toys. Um, I have had partners who were able to do it. But see, the thing that pisses me off, so, okay, my last partner and the guy I dated before, no, yeah, like the last three guys that I dated, I sent them this video that very clearly showed this move that I know gets me off. I can't do it myself because it's... What is it? It's the... On the G-spot. So these fingers inside. Okay, wait. So she's making a... I'm making kind of like the, the I love you with your fingers. With the ring finger and the middle finger bent in. The pinky and the index out. And the thumb out. And so your index and your... Or your middle and your ring finger go in to the vagina. And just fold up. Mm-hmm. And then from that... All you do is move your hand up and down. You don't do anything with your fingers. You just move your hand up and down. Mm-hmm. And it really, really, really stimulates your G-spot. Okay, wait a minute. Like, to crazy need, okay, levels. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. So, hold so on. Here's, here's a vagina. Okay. You're going in like this, and then... She's getting really into this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm getting turned on just talking about it. So it's hard to do with a hand pretending to be a vagina, because your hand does not go like a vagina does. So, but yeah, you're just in and... And you do this to yourself? I, I can't get the oh. angle on it to do it to myself. Like, I kind of okay, can. wait, 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 wait. So you're going in and then your index finger and your pinky finger out? Just out. Not playing are, with the ass. They're not, doing, they're not anything. doing anything. They are just out. Um, and yeah, and so you, you put them in and then you curl them up. You curl in. Okay. And you just move your hand up and down. Whoa. That's all it is. Okay. It's a really simple move. The last three guys that I showed it to, not one. Well, no. One of them actually attempted it. He needed work, <laughs> but he attempted it. And the other two, the one, the first one and the last one, didn't even really try. That's because they just want their cock in you, Sabrina. Well, no. That's actually not it. Because both of them were really... Kind of big on going down. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because, no, listen. No, this is true. Men, male-born men, biologic cis men, cis-hetero men primarily, they feel demasculated using their hands to fuck. It's true. It's true. Well, it just pisses me off that I'm... No, it's... Because they, they completely... They, they talk... About wanting so badly to get me off but because they know it's it. how difficult to do. And so I'm giving them the key to the kingdom and they don't fucking do it. Because, <laughs> because it demasculates them and they don't like the thought that it's going to take that. Like women, that is their cock. I mean, unless they have a strap on, and if if you're wearing a strap on, it's really hot. Don't get me wrong, but the dick, the dildo, the cock on the strap on does not feel, and so it's 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 awesome because it's like a cock in you just for your pleasure. That's so awesome if you're the one receiving, which I always am. <laughs> so it's awesome, but it's not so awesome in the sense if the person wants to feel you. But really, really, that's a woman's, like, that is her cock. Yeah. And it would be a totally, I, I really think men, I did have one 
partner that was a guy. At the time, she has now transitioned, but at the time, identified as a male and used now her hand to do that. But I think the reason that that person was able to do that was because that person is a trans woman. I serious, I am serious. Like, I think I'm onto something. Men, biological cis men, they really are threatened by the idea that a hand could do more than their dick. I really believe that. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It does make a lot of sense. And, you know, I'm still going to want the cock too. But this feels really fucking amazing. Because, yeah, it just does. You have to do it in order to know. Um, There's this thing I like to do when I'm having sex. And it's like... It's like if you stick your fingers, two fingers in, and you, I don't know, like when you're in a vagina, there's kind of like this little, I guess it's the beginning of the cervix or something, and you can kind of feel like this button or whatever, and I like to like take my two fingers and like do ring around the rosies a little bit. <laughs> no, I love it. It's so fun. It's like me. And you like just kind of twist it and like do, I don't know. I like to really move my finger. Instead of just entering and penetrating, the cool thing about hands is that fingers can kind of move yeah, they around. Articulate. They, can they like, articulate. Yeah, yeah, and they can speak in a way like a dick can't. And that, that, was, that was the funny thing when I was, the thing that irritated me as I was first becoming sexually active and, and well, actually a lot of guys still do it. But when they would just uh, stick their fingers jam it in, in like straight, the jackrabbit, like, and they would just no movement of their fingers whatsoever. And it's like you know that's exactly what your cock does, and it does it so much better. So move your fingers, like I don't. They don't know how to do that. Is what I, I really believe that I am right. No, I think I think they're afraid. Of doing it wrong and, and causing pain or something. But you know, the vagina is meant, is made to expel seven pound children. Mine, not mine, not mine, by not the way. Not mine. Um, <laughs> but you know, biologically, that is what the intent is. So any pain that you cause with your fingers, we can take it. We'll let you know if it hurts. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're interesting. But, but. <laughs> so you don't like, okay, you don't like people around your butt? No. I've, I've, I've done anal and it always has to be a mood thing and. You've done it though? Oh yeah. Did you get the shits afterward? No. There was, oh, no, I'm not going to go there, but. <laughs> there was an incident where some stuff came out. Yeah. I've heard. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm really attracted to butts. Like, personally, I like the way they feel in my hand. I like butts, and I like hips. I, I think. Oh, I that, love hips. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. They're awesome. And even the androgynous girls that I've been with, they've all had bigger hips and bigger asses than me seriously and it's hot like that's really hot to me but I yeah I in terms of like that being a sexual like yes I'm turned on by the actual curve curvature of it mm -hmm. but like it being an entry 
I can't get past the shit thing, I think, is what it is. And I don't really think that that's necessarily a bad thing. No, I, I don't either. I think, okay, so I went out I went out on a date with this guy from OkCupid, and we went out on the first date, everything was good. We went to a strip club for our second date, and again, things were good, and and that time I actually let him into my house, and we were making out on the couch, and he just starts talking about, like, what he likes. And he's like, I'm really, really into anal. He's like, do you like anal? And I'm like, no, not really. It has to be a mood thing. I have to be the one to initiate it. And needless to say, so we didn't have sex or anything. We just ended up making out on the couch. But needless to say, he shortly texted me later and said, yeah, I don't really feel any chemistry here. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. Which led me to kind of believe, I kind of think that in my experience, the guys who are really, really super into anal are really, really not hung well. <laughs> oh. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but yeah. That huh. just seems to be the trend I've noticed. So your ideal situation... What is your ideal situation? That kind of depends on how it comes about. Um, my last relationship taught me that... Uh, Come here, baby. Hi, Zephyr. Um, my last relationship actually taught me a lot about what I'm okay with and what I need in a relationship. And one of the things I learned is that I'm totally fine with openness. Right. So long as I'm, I feel that there's mutual investment in our relationship. And I feel that for me, the best way to do that would be to have a monogamous relationship at first mm -hmm. and really create a good core, healthy communication and establish that and then open up the relationship. And what would be your reasoning for opening it? And what time frame are you thinking? That, I can't put time frames on anything. Like, because relationships well, are so you, I know, but when you subjective. say monogamous for a while, are you thinking months? You it varies. It depends on how... It depends on how long it takes to create that bond and that trust. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah. It could it could happen right away. It could happen mean. it could take months. Yeah. Um I really, really trusted my last partner until I didn't anymore. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yes. I think another option would be if a relationship is open without any monogamy period then in that kind of situation, I would do better with a commitment of I am dedicated to this relationship and I want this relationship to work. And so I am committing myself to this relationship. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, I would never, I wouldn't want to say that I would ever do this, but if I said, okay, I'm calling in my chips right now, I need the other partners to go away for a time. I need to know that 
in that situation that uh, that committed partner uh, would do that. Uh, and hopefully it would never come mm-hmm. to any sort of situation like that. But that would be the other. And Sabrina, you and I are really similar, just so our listeners know. We're really similar in the sense of like, I don't know if the grass is always greener on the other side, but there's some kind of, there's some like conflicted stuff going on in terms of like, I don't know. I think we have really similar outlooks in terms of like, like we want openness and we don't like monogamy. Like the idea of monogamy is really. The idea of monogamy forever is really terrifying and awful and like nauseating, right? Yes. Yeah. Your cat is loving me so much, I and I adore him right now. He's precious. It is. Oh, you are adorable, kitty. Oh, I'm going to steal him. But, yes, we are very similar <laughs> in. <laughs> this cat is licking my earlobe, and it's the most action I've gotten all week. <laughs> he, he wasn't weaned. He's a little, he's a main, I think he's a Maine Coon runt. <laughs> I do. I don't think he was weaned from his mom. <laughs> oh, and he's hugging me too. I know. It's precious. I am just going to steal this little kitty. But yeah, um, we are very similar, not only in our outlooks on relationships, but um, I feel like we have a very similar uh, personality as far as our feelings and trying to like prevent crises or like troubleshoot or something (laughs) yeah we you and I both we ping pong through emotions yes we'll feel one way or the we'll feel we'll feel very strongly one way and then who knows what happens but then suddenly we feel very strongly the opposite complete opposite Mm -hmm. direction and Mm-hmm. And that can be a very difficult partner Thing for somebody to deal <laughs> yes, with. Yes, it can. And so my last partner, I tried to have a conversation with him twice about my personality because I know my personality very well. Yeah. I know my You're quirks. really self-aware and so am I. I am. Which is why we're really similar. And I know my quirks. I know the downfalls and of my, my personality. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give him information on how to deal with me in a conflict, how I respond, what I respond well to. And I wanted to communicate that to him, to give him the best fighting chance of getting through it. Yeah. (laughs) And twice I initiated this conversation. Twice he didn't engage. And so when we had our first major fight, we broke up. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It does take a really special... Because I I really understand that. I feel like I'm very, like... Like you were saying, like leave me alone, don't leave, or... (laughs) Go away, please don't... Or, go away, don't leave me. Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, because I'm really, really, really independent, and yet, when I... When I feel for someone, I get really attached, which is the total opposite of how I want to live my... Like, it's not how I want to be, necessarily. I... But I have abandonment, I guess it's abandonment issues or I don't really know what it was, but I do know through therapy, through experience, through everything, the attachment, anytime I feel connected to somebody, I get 
attached to them in a way that a lot of people don't. I mean, it's just a reality about me. As much as I want to detach from things, as much as I know letting go is the answer, it doesn't mean that I have the ability to do it like other people do. So it comes with attachment and it's it's a very push-pull thing of like wanting my independence and then feeling this weird clinginess or attachment that I don't necessarily want to be feeling and I do and then I want the connection and I want the intimacy but I don't want it to be a codependent situation so maybe part of the appeal of not having monogamy I think for me I don't know about you is that I feel like there's less of a risk of it becoming codependency because I think the most tragic thing in the world to me and what terrifies me and to my utter soul is the thought. I don't want to live my life in fear. I really don't. But my parents were together for fucking 20 years. And my mom was not okay. Like when that ended, it was not okay. And she hasn't really come back. I mean, she doesn't have the resiliency I do either. But she hasn't really come back from that. And then the one time I thought, I thought, oh, that doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to change this. I'm going to make this work for me. I'm in love. Love is what you need. And it just kind of, like, dissipated. That nearly crushed me. And not to be all emo and, and whatever. But, like, those were those are two huge challenges in my life that really affect my outlook on relationships and my ability to like go there or imagine it. And I think that's what's so terrifying about monogamy about to me is that, I mean, where did fucking, okay, monogamy came, I mean, weddings, it was a contract. It was a business transaction and the kiss sealed the contract of, I mean, it, it was a matter of money. It was a business transaction. Yeah, yeah. So you think about the history and the patriarchal, and when we're talking about queer marriage, that anybody has a right to get married. I don't believe in discrimination like that in any way. But marriage as a concept to me is very problematic. Like, I don't really identify with it in, in any way, you know? But then there's this romantic in me that like wants to believe. In when it. I when I think about marriage and the idea of my of myself getting married, the only things that come to mind that cause me to actually want to do it are one, so my father can walk me down the aisle. Two, the tax break. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Those are the only reasons that I want to do it. <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, if I'm, in a, if I'm in a good relationship and I'm happy in this relationship. Who the fuck cares? I don't need a ring. I don't need a piece of paper. I sure as fuck don't need your name. Yeah. <laughs> no. I yeah. like my name. My name is awesome. Although I do have to say, I do think it's really cool. Something about this idea is really cool to me. Like if two women or two men are together and they've been together a while, I really like the idea. I like the idea of keeping your name, but I also really like the idea of rejecting your name and being like, we're going to make our own name together and say your name was Olson and say your name was Miller and you come up with like, I don't know, some other name that... My ex, one of my exes, that he was married, and he did that with his wife, but the name they chose 
it's kind of geeky. Um, the name they chose was, uh, oh, I don't know. It was a combination of their, their, their superhero, their two super favorite heroes. Favorite superheroes? Favorite superheroes. Yeah, Clark Kent. And oh my God, was it Bruce Wayne? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I'm not gonna say the name just because, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, but no, I, I think that's a very uh, when when he told me that that was what they had done, that I was like, oh, that's really sweet, actually. <laughs> that because then it's not one person. Dominating it, yeah. It's and creating I mean, another entity. I like that. Yeah, it's it's really totally meshing the and relationship. I think, I think that's my whole thing with monogamy. I do like Dan Savage's idea of monogamish. Like, I do like what he says about like human beings. Like, if you look at the evidence, like we're not really meant to be monogamous. I I kind of agree with. I I pretty much agree with that statement. Like, being anonymous is not. I mean, monogamous is not really like. I don't think scientifically that really works out like that, but I, I, and I think, and I think the reason it makes me uncomfortable is that I am very alternative in my understanding of life. Like I don't really get along with my family for one. I'm, I'm just eccentric and, and my understanding. So for me to imagine a life where I'm like monogamous is very strange and, and, um, I don't know. It just like seems to resemble marriage too much for me or something. So it's really hard. But the thought of having a long-term person that yes. would be with me through thick and thin is so beautiful. It is. You know? That idea I like. I do too. I think I would also, another possibility is if my partner really wanted something monogamy-like, like the idea of swinging would also be something I would be open to. Like if you were with a partner and they wanted to swap? Yeah, like swap partner swapping or even like, you know, they do parties and whatnot. Key parties? And yeah. So that would be another option as well for me. Um, I thought about that. I thought for a while, I went through this really interesting phase because I'm like pretty much primarily attracted to androgynous women but I went through this really interesting phase from like I don't know March no it started when I was in Costa Rica I, January because there are these two women I met in Costa Rica and I was like whoa and my point with this is, is I went through this phase like probably for about five or six months where I was like and I, I do this sometimes. I have kind of a more androgynous side that doesn't come out very much because I'm I'm pretty feminine in my nature. But sometimes I, I do get a little dikey. I really do. And, like, I, there were moments, like, I would be, like, say I would be at Savi's or something, and there would be a couple. And usually when there was a couple, the woman would glare at me when I was, like, walking by or whatever, and the guy would whatever. Guys do but sometimes there would be a couple and the woman would like check, you check out just me out <laughs> and the guy would check me out too and they would both smile together and I was very comfortable. Granted, I'm not into men, right? But, but I was very comfortable with that dynamic. I was very comfortable 
being like the third wheel. And there was a time where I, I really thought the ideal situation for me, which is totally opposite from, it's not where I'm at right now at all, but I had a, there was a really long time where I thought it would be perfect for me to be a third wheel. I thought I would be a perfect addition to a couple. I really did, specifically a male and a female couple. I really thought I would do well in that situation. I don't know why, because I'm really not into men. But there was, there. maybe we fluctuate with that, you know, or maybe I do. And maybe I'm more bisexual than I even like I feel really really gay right now so I can say this I guess and I've always been in the possession always I would be monogamous like if I not monogamous necessarily but there if there was a chance of me being monogamous I could do it for a woman that I was like in love with right but I would never do that for a guy like it would just never happen because I would never be fulfilled but I could be fulfilled by a woman right that's the difference so I guess that it's interesting though because I did think wow this would be an interesting dynamic I think I could roll with this I would really like that sort of situation because I mean I I am bisexual so it is very appealing to me that both of those would be present. those desires would be able to be fulfilled within one relationship. I mean, technically, I guess maybe it's two relationships or, but the problem that I have with that is that existing couples rarely bring in a third completely. Right. I wouldn't, I would not be okay with being a third wheel. Everything would have to be equal mm. as far as the relationship goes like they could be married I don't care about that that's theirs but you would want to be an equal party yes. in a triad yes would you be part of it if there was a triad and then there was also their thing going on well in my ideal situation like there's yes there's the threesome relationship but then each set of two also has a relationship. So I would have a relationship with the man separately, a relationship with the female separately. They would have their own separate relationship as well. Mm. And the three of us would also have a relationship. Yeah. That makes sense. I, like, for a really long time, like, the triad thing with the Northern California thing with this, like, idea that I moved and I grew pot with these women... But I don't even know that our triad is necessarily sexual in nature, but it's more like sensual in nature. In my in my imagination, which I'm dreaming up, we like grow pot and we like cuddle puddle at night. <laughs> and we're like really deep and intimate with each other and kind of in love with each other on a level. But we all have our separate things going on too. But I don't know that that's necessarily a sexual thing that I'm imagining. It's more like a an intimacy thing. I don't know. But that has become less of a vision lately. And this is what, I mean, this is what brings me back to, like, the whole conflict between your heart and your your mind. Because, like, all of these situations, they're so awesome, like, in theory. Like, thinking of me being like, oh, I'm the third will. In a way, like, I'm the third will. So, like, I'm already kind of protected because I'm the third will. I can't get, like, too involved, right? Or... This idea that there would be like three people in a situation. But then when your heart is involved in that, 
and how you react to things, you really can't control your emotions. You can't control your triggers and you can't control the way you're going to feel about things. No, you, but you can control how you communicate it. Yeah, and that's true. You can control your actions that's as true. a result of those feelings. And your partners can control their reactions to your mm -hmm. feelings. They can control their their responses to, okay, I understand that you're feeling something. I want to understand what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. I want to understand what's making you feel this way. So let's That's talk true. about it. Because I want to work this out. Transparency. Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, feelings are irrational. I mean, at the very core of what they are. They don't make sense. They don't always make sense. A friend of mine pointed out, to me that our brain creates shortcuts. Like we experience a situation and it makes us feel a certain way. And so flash forward to the future, you're in a similar but different situation, but it's similar enough to your brain. That you've experienced that it again. It, your brain says, I've experienced this. This is how it made me feel. And so you're feeling the same thing you felt for that first situation. And even, even though this though situation may be different and maybe you're similar different, enough it's similar enough to that your brain. The emotions. Yes. I have had so much of that lately. Me too. So That's much of why that I lately. broke up with my last boyfriend. <laughs> Not completely the only reason, but yeah. So it's, it's, you can't control, you can control your emotions to a degree. I mean, uh, sometimes like you can, you can, you can identify, Hey, I'm freaking the fuck out. Yeah. I need to step back, <laughs> but you definitely can control your communication of and your actions that result from those feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Though for you and I, <laughs> when we when we're ping ponging through emotions, it's very 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 easy for us to make decisions. I know in those extremes. I know, Impulsively. and so it's very important to have a partner that yeah. understands and can go. Okay, you're feeling something. You've made a decision because of those feelings. Is it okay if we take a step back and talk about those feelings now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And I do know that about myself. I am very push-pull. And I have this thing that has been a pattern where I'm like repulsed and extremely attracted at the same time. Like, I just have this dynamic in me. Very push-pull. Like, I want to be with you all the fucking time. You're amazing. And then like pulling back. But I do think it's a compatibility issue, too. Yeah. Like, I do. And there are people that will trigger you. Like, the past few people that I've dated in my, like, since the current situation I'm in, like, have been very triggering for me. And they reminded me very much of my ex-partner from years ago. And they were very cold. And, like, they triggered me. And it was, like... It was not a good fit. But if you do have somebody that you feel safe with, that you don't, like, you're crazy or whatever, your skeleton's in the closet, doesn't, like, they don't freak them out. They just kind of look at you like, 
what are you doing right now? Like, they just kind of, like, I don't know. They can, like, take, they can take they can your take and stride. Yeah. <laughs> they can deal with your crazy, you know, or whatever it may be. Like, they they can get it. Because they, they're similar in that way, maybe. Like, I don't know. I think that that is cool. But you have to be careful because you don't want to become codependent on someone that is, like, so similar to you. Because that could be a whole other disaster to, like, codependent people on each other, both with attachment issues. That could be a whole other. Look at me. I'm doing the Enneagram type personality six thing right now. I am. I'm, like, <laughs> troubleshooting already. Like, oh, it's so beautiful to be supported. But, but it could go it could crazy. Go wrong. Look at all these ways that it could go wrong. <laughs> And that's so when I have when I'm in one of my crazy moments and it has to deal with another person and I know that they think that I'm acting crazy and because I'm communicating so little of what's actually already gone through my head mm-hmm. <laughs> they think I'm just completely nuts and, and making impulsive decisions but no I've actually already looked at so many different sides of this issue <laughs> That sides that you didn't even know existed. <laughs> yeah, I play devil's advocate with myself. I ad nausea. I do too, and I have conversations <laughs> with myself all day long about God knows what, <sighs> and I perseverate, and I just can't. It's really difficult for me, but there are people that can handle that more than others, and it's amazing when someone's like unfazed by that. It really feels good, like just to. I think we're coming to a close. We started out with pear. Hair, and then we Dive. went to relationship dynamics and all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Queefing. <laughs> I think the the theme of this one is girl talk. Girl talk. Girl talk. Remember that game, girl talk. I made out with it. Somebody one time, I went to her house and she pulled out a girl talk game, and it turned me on. <laughs> It turned me on, like, in this way that I was, like, an adolescent in a slumber party. And I was like, woohoo. I don't know why. Because, whoa. Because I was not turned on during the act itself. But anyway, girl talk. And they would have those little zits, those little red zits, which is terrible. I had acne really bad. I've already got enough of those. Starting in, like, sixth grade. Oh, I had it in the fifth grade. A friend of mine got a... meningitis in the fifth grade and so she had all these little rashes and after she came back like she was cured from whatever and then but the rashes were still there and I was I remember we were walking out to the playground and I was like oh we can play connect the dot with your rashes and some rude little kid ran by and he's like what don't you mean with the pimples on your forehead and I was like oh because I was only in the fifth grade but I bloomed early so I bloomed early too well my period I didn't get for a while but I remember being in the fifth grade, too, and I remember people saying pizza face or whatever the fuck people said. Yes, and now here I am at 30 and once again having the issue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, Sabrina. <laughs> anyway, girl talk. Girl talk. Girl talk. Thanks Zephyr, for joining Zephyr, us. Zephyr is a cat. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Do we have any thoughts to leave on? Be good to each other. Communicate. Yeah, that's a that's a I think that's the big thing is communication. Because with communication you get trust.
And with those two things, oh, there you go. You can't really go wrong. Different. Well, here's Good the night. thing, it's like it's just another way of explaining the universe.